Well, this morning, uh, I want to start looking at what I believe is, uh, in some ways, one of the biggest mysteries in Christianity. Uh, in, 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 it's interesting. Um, last week, we were looking at, for Easter, uh, we came out of the wilderness, remember? We came out of the wilderness and we came into the kingdom of God. And it's a great promise. It's great to talk about it. It's a, it's a great message. It flowed well off the tongue. Um, the week, a couple weeks before that, we, we were in the wilderness, but we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and part of that prayer is, Your kingdom come. And I wonder if we can talk about the promise of the kingdom of God, and we can talk about the prayer or the expectation of the kingdom of God coming, if we really understand what the promise is or what we're praying. Like when he says, pray, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, what are we really praying for in those moments? Do we get what we're praying for? And so, as a pastor, I feel like if there's, if there's a topic that Jesus wants us to understand, that maybe we don't understand very well, it's this kingdom of God. Um, in Scripture, I think it's, and I'll look at the number, 126 times in the Gospels, the kingdom is mentioned. Jesus, when he preached, that was the beginning of his message and that was the end of his message. He preached on the kingdom of God more than anything else. Sometimes we think that Jesus preached on hell or we think he preached on sin or he preached on heaven or he preached on love or he preached on this or that more than anything else. No, the one thing he preached about more than anything or he taught about more than anything was the kingdom of God. And at times I think we take for granted what the kingdom truly is. Look at where his, his ministry uh, started. This is in the book of Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So he's going to tell us what the good news of God is, right? He went to Galilee. John had just been, uh, he had just been sent to prison. Jesus goes and he preaches the good news of God. The time has come. The time has come for what? The kingdom of God has come near. That's the good news. Jesus is, is teaching. Uh, his, his ministry starts. He, he's compelled to go and share the good news. And the good news that he had to share was that the kingdom of God is near. Now, if I said this morning the kingdom of God is near, I'm not sure how many of us get excited. That's a great pastor phrase. That's a good church phrase. But, but do we get excited about the reality that the kingdom of God is near? Jesus was so compelled. He went from teaching that the kingdom of God was near, that the kingdom of God is here throughout his ministry. He ushered in the kingdom of God. That's what his ministry, that was the purpose God sent Jesus to this world for. Yeah, he came to seek and save that which was lost, but he wanted to reveal the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is the way into the kingdom of God. I'm going to get ahead of myself because I get excited when I talk about the kingdom of God. It wasn't just Jesus that taught about the kingdom of God. John, the dude who just got arrested, this was before he got arrested. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I'll pause for a second, because one said kingdom of God, one says kingdom of heaven. In the book of Matthew, he just says kingdom of heaven. In, in the other Gospels, we see kingdom of God. It means the same thing. It was just the audience in which they were speaking to. Matthew was written to a more Jewish audience. This is just a, a side note why he doesn't say that. And Jewish people didn't feel like they could say God. 
They didn't feel like they, that, that was a, it was, it was a negative for them to say the name of God. They didn't feel like they were worthy. So when he was communicating to them, he used kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God. Just a, a side note as to that. But in scripture, as you look at the gospels, anytime you see kingdom, kingdom of heaven, it still means this kingdom of God that we're talking about. Not only did John teach about it, but Paul taught about it. For two whole years, Paul stayed there. This was after he was re- arrested in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God. When we think of Paul, do we think of his message as being compelled about the kingdom of God? No. Paul was the guy who liked to write and tell us what we were doing wrong, right? I mean, that's who Paul was. But the reality is, his message, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ without bold, or with all boldness and without hindrance. So if Jesus thought it was important, John thought it was important, Paul thought it was important to teach about, I'm going to ask a question, and I'm going to pause for just a moment, and we don't have to answer it out loud, but I would like for you to answer for yourself. What is the kingdom of God? Before we get into what Pastor has for us today, today we're just scratching the surface. We're going to be looking at this for the next several weeks. But if someone came up to you, and, and, and I'll tell you what, maybe I should make you say it out loud because all of a sudden we think we know, but then when we go to say it, it doesn't sound like what we thought we thought. Wednesday at prayer, we were talking about the kingdom of God, and, and, and just sometimes it's hard to get out what's inside. And so for you, just take a moment for yourself. Like, just picture someone came up to you and said, hey, I hear Jesus was teaching on the kingdom of God. Or your pastor had this sermon called the kingdom of God. Like, what is the kingdom of God? And I'm just going to let you think for just a moment. I can pause and I can deal with awkward silence. Or special music, whichever one. I hope there's a little bit of tension in this moment. And I hope that this causes you to maybe question or wonder or want to explore further this idea. Um, Jesus, in the book of, of Matthew, chapter 13, there are six different parables where Jesus starts from saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he goes through these parables. I'm just going to read two of them real quick. Um, And you might be scared, but it's only three verses or four verses. Um, Three verses. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in all his joy, or in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I'm not going to get to what is the kingdom of God, but from these parables, what do we know about the kingdom of God? What does he compare it to? A treasure and a very valuable pearl. Now, my wife could care less about a pearl. Uh, Some others might like that. So if you don't like pearls, say diamonds. If you don't like diamonds, say gold or steak, whichever way you need to look at it. But what is he speaking to us in this parable about the kingdom? Because I think this the essence of these parables is where the understanding of, of the kingdom begins in us. Now, in their culture at that time, they didn't have banks, okay? So when Jesus was speaking this parable, it's funny because Jesus says this several times. Uh, in the beginning of this chapter, he starts with the parable of the sower. And after he reads the parable of the sower, what does he have to do? 
well, he doesn't read it, but he teaches it. But then he has to explain the whole parable. And then he gets down to talking, these, these, these kingdom of heavens are like, these are the ones I want him to explain. Like, I kind of get the parable of the sower. And we get to the kingdom of heaven is like, and he says to his disciples, hey, do you get what I'm saying? And you know what they say? Yeah, we get it. Like, I'm wishing, because I think there's something different today than there was when Jesus was teaching in our understanding of the kingdom. Like, I get the sower, I want the kingdom explanation. I wouldn't have to pause, but, but they understood because Jesus taught this so well, right? They're with the teacher. He's been teaching them about this. He's been talking to them about this. They get it when he's referring to the kingdom. So part of this referring, he's talking about their culture of the day. So I was talking about the culture. They didn't have banks when Jesus was walking the earth. So people had to figure out something to do with their money. So you know what they did with their money? They put it in a pot and they buried it in the field. They put it by a tree or a rock. But you know what else happened a lot back then? Death. Death happened a lot back then. And so there were a lot of pots and fields that no one knew were there. Because someone either went off to war, they never came home, or they died because they were young. They never returned it. They, they weren't there. And so people literally at that time were out seeking properties to find treasure. Their intent was to find places where they could go. It might seem like they're taking advantage of people. Just put that aside. To see if they could find treasure so they could do what? Bury it and then do what? Acquire it. Before they acquired it, what did they have to do? Sold all he had. There's some kingdom truth in this, in this parable. If we truly believe the kingdom of God is valuable. This other one, it's about a guy, a merchant. And he's, he's into trading pearls, and so he sees the one pearl that he's been looking for all his life. It must have been the perfect colors. I don't know what you look for in, purple, in, in pearls, um, because my wife doesn't like them, so I don't have to worry about that. Um, but he saw this one that was perfect, and he gave up everything he had to buy it. You see, when we see as something is valuable, we'll pursue it. When we genuinely believe there's value in something, we're willing to do whatever it takes to obtain it. If you think that something is valuable, you'll seek it out. You'll try to achieve it. I love this picture that, that he sold everything he had. In my notes, if we believe something is valuable, with joy, we give up all that we have so we can find it. It sounds like my salvation. With joy. It doesn't sound like either one of these begrudgingly did what, 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 what they were doing in this. It wasn't like they had trouble selling. Like the rich young ruler, remember that? Give, sell everything you have and he walked away disappointed. Or sad, it says in Scripture. In this parable, Jesus is teaching and he's saying the kingdom of heaven is, it's a treasure. It's not just a, a worldly treasure, but it's a treasure with a value that, that it's worth selling everything you have with joy in order to obtain it. Do we truly look at the kingdom of heaven as something worth giving up everything to discover? I believe that as we start looking at the kingdom of, of heaven or the kingdom of God, that we've got to decide in ourselves this is worth it. Like, if it's not valuable, it's fine. 
You, 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 we can go on our lives. We can go on our days. We don't have to worry about it. We'll just listen to Pastor talk about it for about 35 minutes on Sunday mornings and you can move on. That's fine. I don't believe that I'll be able to fully explain the kingdom of God to you in the time that we have on a Sunday morning. I believe that discovery or understanding of the kingdom of God comes through us giving up all that we have, putting ourselves in line, investing of ourselves in discovering the true value that is before us. That means opening up the book. That means looking for the 126 times it says kingdom in the gospel. That means praying to God to give us wisdom. He's placed a spirit of God who is, who is discernment, who is our counselor inside of us that can reveal the truths of God to us. I watch a show on, on History Channel. I don't know why, but I love the show, The Curse of Oak Island. Sounds like a terrible show when you hear the name, but man, I am sucked in. And these guys believe that there's a treasure under this island that maybe the Knights Templar took their 2,000 or 1,400 and 1,400 whatever, and they buried it under this island, and they've been searching for this treasure literally on this island for hundreds of years. And do you know what they found so far? A lead cross and a half-broken Roman coin, they say. They've been searching for years for a treasure that they say is going to redefine the world. Investing millions, I guarantee, millions of dollars into digging into a treasure that they believe with all their heart is there. Is, what is it, six people have died and, and the seven must? Is that the, yeah, okay, just making sure. Six people gave everything. To find something they couldn't discover. Why do men put more confidence in myths than we do in the promises of God? I'm not saying they won't find something. Who knows? I'm going to keep watching because maybe they will. My wife's not going to watch it with me. That's fine. That's me time, not her time. We all need that. Why do we see people? I mean, my other show I like to watch. I'm just a treasure hunter at heart, Gold Rush, where they'll move mountains to find gold dust. Why do we put more confidence in the treasures of this world than we do in the promises of God? I promise you the kingdom of God is more valuable than the, than the treasure that's under potentially under Oak Island. I promise you the kingdom of God is more valuable than any gold they're going to find in any place up in the Yukon of Alaska. Because the scripture tells us that those things will fade, but the kingdom of God is eternal. What if we had a fraction of the zeal? What if we had a fraction of the gusto that the Laginas have on Oak Island? Or that Tony Beats has in the Yukon. You don't watch Gold Rush, you don't watch Curse of Oak, you don't know what I'm talking about right now. That's fine. 
I don't think we have the zeal because we don't perceive the value. I don't think we have the passion because we really don't believe that the treasure is there. The kingdom of God for today, and we're going to build on this, for me, my understanding of the kingdom of God. Now, kingdoms, it's a hard thing for us because we just don't deal with them. We're just not used to kingdoms. It's a word that was a good in, in, in 2,000 years ago that doesn't apply to us today. It's hard for us to understand. And we define kingdoms how? We define them by geography. Right? Kingdoms are defined by borders. We build walls and stuff like that. Kingdoms are defined by rules. Kingdoms are defined by, 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 by government. Kingdoms are defined by flags. Like if we got the right flag on, we know what kingdom we're a part of. The kingdom of God is not of this world. And so what we have to do, this is where it gets hard. The picture that I had on, on my, on my uh, title slide, if it's, it's not going to work, Irene. I don't know if you're on the PowerPoint or not, but it's not working. Thank you. Now it's going to go crazy because I pushed it a thousand times. There we go. I don't know if you can tell this. This, this picture is inverted. So like this is really what it looks like, but I just flipped it over on top because the kingdom of God, it's an inversion of what we understand. It's, it's hard for us through the lens of this world to fully comprehend what the kingdom of God is. And as long as we're looking at the world or at the kingdom of God through the lens of the world, we're never going to get it. It's just not going to make sense. The kingdom of God is not temporary. It's not defined by geography. It's not defined by a position. It's defined by the Father. Jesus Christ came to reveal his kingdom. How was the kingdom of God revealed? The kingdom of God truly is anywhere God reigns. We sang a song this morning. Um, I think we sang a song that said, Reign in me, right? That was a song in worship. And sometimes, just because my eyes are closed and I'm not thinking all the way, I'm thinking of raining, like physical rain coming down from the sky in me. Like, seriously, that's where we go to because we don't even know what raining means. Because in our culture, what happens if we don't like the, the, the rules that are about us? Come on. Watch Fox News. What do we do when we don't like the rules? We, we pout, we fight, we elect someone else, we try to manipulate until we can get it to be what we want, right? I mean, isn't that the culture we live in? Where we really don't want someone to reign in us, we want someone to reign for us. That'll preach. You might want to write that one down. See, our understanding of kingdom is that there's someone that's reigning for us, not someone that's reigning in us. See, because we're the center of the universe. Who in this room is the center of their universe? Okay, there's a few of us that are honest. I mean, don't we really think that? And so everything that happens should, should benefit us and, and whatever rules are made should be to our advantage and whatever's happening should, should be for us? I mean, that's the perspective that we have of kingdom. But the kingdom of God is not that. The kingdom of God is that God reigns in us. The kingdom of God is God's authority in our lives. These are weird words for the American church because we get uneasy about these words. Because everything's about freedom. Everything's about what we want. Everything's about how we want it and when we want it. But God's kingdom is about his authority that comes into my life. And when I recognize that the authority of God is something we're seeking, then I'll seek it with all that I have. 
Sometime in my life, I recognized that my way wasn't working, and with joy I gave up my way and I followed his way. But I need to do that every day. I mean, why would Jesus tell us the kingdom of God is here, is what we learned when Jesus died, but still he's teaching us to pray. We say, God, pray, your kingdom come. And then pray what? Reign in us. Your will be done. You see, we need this practice. We need this promise. We need this pursuit of the kingdom every day. I need the kingdom of God to come today in my life. Because there's a way I want it done. And there's a way I want to do things. And oftentimes I start my way and make a mess before I yield to his way. And then we got a big mess that we got to clean up together. What if I started my day saying, God, I recognize the value of your kingdom, and so I want my day to be governed by your kingdom. I want your authority to be what guides and directs my steps. I want your way in my life today so I can accomplish the will of God that you have before me. Because when we recognize the kingdom of God, we begin to accomplish the purposes of God. Because I'm trusting him. Ephesians chapter 2. See, I'm way ahead of myself now. See, you guys wish. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The way into the kingdom is through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no other way into this kingdom. There's no other way to be a part of the kingdom of God except for acknowledging what the blood of Jesus Christ accomplished for you. That once I was in this world, but now I'm no longer of this world. That once I was governed by the rules of this world, but now I want to be governed by the rules of God. I'll come back because that'll preach. For he himself is our peace who made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. And his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. One and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord and in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The kingdom of God is the dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The kingdom of God is something in which we're a part of. Once we were a part of this world, once we were under the authority of this world, what did that authority tell us? That authority told us to do it our way, pursue what we want. Don't worry about who we step on to get there. That that, that authority tells us that that we are the center of the world, that we are everything and everything should focus around us. And it doesn't matter who we hurt or who we harm. That authority tells us that it doesn't really matter what we do. It doesn't really matter what we say. But that authority is going to lead us to a, to a, to a, to a, a, a condemnation of death. It's going to lead us to a place of death. That's where that authority leads. The wages of sin is 
death. If we believe that, we don't want to be in that. Right? God has taken us out of that. He said, no longer are you strangers in that world. You're now a part of what? My household. We're now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reveal the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom that's being revealed through us. We're now revealing the kingdom of God. John 17, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so you may have the full measure of my joy in, within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they're not of the world anymore than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of it. This is the paradox of the kingdom. This is the challenge of the kingdom of God. We live in this world, but we're not of this world any longer. As children of God, yes, we still live here. Yes, we still do day to day. Yes, we still have to to, to work and, and do these things. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. The world is not our authority. Too often we've let the world become our authority. The world tells us something that becomes truth. And that truth becomes what we live by, the rule in which we live by. No, I live in the world, but I'm not of the world. The world no longer has authority over me. Does it matter what happens? No, because the authority is in Christ Jesus. This world may tell me this, or this world may tell me that. But it doesn't matter because I'm under the authority of God. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I gave up all with joy so I could be in this kingdom. I. I was crucified with Christ. I. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I gave it all up so I could be in his kingdom. But too often, we just want to give up part, or we just want to give it up for a little while. And there's not dual citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I think that's the problem. Like, we like these, these principles around us where we can be part of one and part of another. We can be part of everything if we want. I mean, if we identify that way, let's just say that that's what we are today, and we can be that. So I'm going to be Russian for now, and then I'm going to be German. I mean, we can identify however we want. We can be dual things. No, God says, it's my kingdom. Why? Because when I'm in different kingdoms, I've got multiple authorities. When I'm in different kingdoms, right, don't I have to listen to two different rules? Two different rulers? Two different reigns? This is a doesn't work in his kingdom. He's the author and finisher. Now, does that mean we neglect the rulers of this world? No. We live in submission where we are. Paul writes about that. But he's the ultimate authority. God is. See, here's how he describes us. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now... You receive mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So remember before, he was talking about we're no longer strangers in the kingdom of God. 
Now he's describing us as what? Foreigners and exiles. Another translation of this same verse calls us aliens in this world. We're peculiar people. We're a different people is what God says about his children in this world. When we're living under his authority, we're not doing what everyone else is doing. Or we're not doing it the way they're doing it. And there should be something different about us in this world. Because my citizenship is not in in this world. My citizenship is in heaven. I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. It's okay to acknowledge sin and do whatever it takes to not do it. This, to me, seems to indicate sometimes it's going to take work to abstain. That isn't just an easy thing just to say, I won't, but it's a practice. It's a discipline in order to engage in that, that this is a sinful desire that's leading me to death that I don't want to be a part of. Why? Because I'm no longer in this world. Just a couple more verses. Philippians chapter 3, For as often as I've told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destination is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they'll be like his glorious body. What is the value of the kingdom of God for you? What is the value of the kingdom of God in your life? This world was leading you to a place of destruction. This world was leading you to a place of shame. But we, we, we await the Savior, Jesus Christ, who gives us a living hope. We have new life and a living hope. That was the points last week of the resurrection, how we identify with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gives us power. It's power that enables us to bring, or enables him to bring everything under his control. Does anyone need that in your life? Yeah! Where is it at? It's in the king. It's his authority. It's his reign in us. Man, we cry out to this world, let's get everything under control. We do everything we can to get things under control. We don't lean on the one who truly can bring it. So either we don't believe that he can do it or we think we can do it better. Huh? I'm going to jump ahead. Matthew chapter 6 is where I want to end this morning. This is my encouragement as your pastor today. I hope that as we go, I hope that as we pursue this week, and I say pursue in the sense of the kingdom of God, that this principle resonates in our hearts. This is again in Matthew chapter 6, that Sermon on the Mount that Jesus was teaching. And why do you worry about clothes? See, that's things of this world, right? See how the flowers of the field grow? Do they, not, they do not labor or spin. Did I tell you that even Solomon, not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not clothe you uh, much more? Will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, they run after all these things. Now, is there anything wrong in running after what you eat or what you drink or what you wear? I mean, I don't think that those are bad pursuits, right? I'm glad everybody contemplated this morning what they would wear today. Jim put a lot of thought into it today. 
right? I mean, these aren't terrible pursuits. But Jesus is saying that even the pagans, they're, they're running after these things. Uh, uh, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But he says to do what? Seek first what? Man, we have it so upside down. So often we're seeking what we need. So often we're seeking what we want. So often we've treated the kingdom of God like a vending machine and where we get what we want when we want it. Huh? The only time we engage in kingdom thinking is when we've got a need, when we're thirsty, when we're hungry, when we need a job, when we need this or when we need that. But he says what? Seek first his kingdom. Seek first the reign of God. Seek first the authority of God in your life. Seek first his will. Seek first his promise. Seek first his plans. And then what? He'll take care of you. You know, American living is we seek first what we want. Kingdom living is we seek first his kingdom. I believe for us as we endeavor over these next few weeks, I want to discover the kingdom because I think there's something really valuable for us. I think there's something really valuable for you in the kingdom of God. And my heart as a pastor is that that we can be compelled to seek first his kingdom. So my my heart as a pastor this morning is that as we leave today, and and you guys can come forward. I don't know what you're going to play for this, but you can do that. Um, But but as as we spend time together, my encouragement is for you. You may not know what the answer fully is, but can you begin to seek it? Today, you may not have had an answer when I asked the question. Or you may have had an answer that maybe it's not the right answer. Or maybe you have the right answer, but you just don't fully understand it. Maybe you've known the answer for 65 years. But there's more to discover. And as a church, as a people, as as children of God, I want to seek first His kingdom. My encouragement is, get out your Bible. I don't have mine up here. i got my iPad. It's on here too. Look for verses on the kingdom of God. Go on Google and type in kingdom of God and see where it takes you. If it's in scripture, go read it. If it's somewhere else, then be careful. I don't want to send people astray. I believe there's something of immeasurable, eternal value. A treasure that we haven't fully grasped. That's not just for you, Marty Lagina, but has the power to impact this world. So we can let it sit under the ground. And we can let that field go to waste. Or we can find the treasure and we can use it how our authority desires for us to use it. I believe Crawford, Nebraska needs the kingdom of God. I believe Steve Mallory needs the kingdom of God. I'll start there. I believe the United States needs the kingdom of God. I believe my family needs the kingdom of God. I believe your family needs the kingdom of God. And there's a treasure for you to find. There's a value for you to bring in his kingdom if you will seek it.
Father, this morning, I pray. God, I pray in this place for us. I know we just scratched the surface, and I know, God, there may be more questions than there are answers. There may be more answers than there are questions. I don't know, but God, I pray that in us, that, that there's just a hunger, a desire. That we're willing to dig a little bit. That we're willing to give up a little bit of ourselves so that we can learn more about this promise. That we're willing to seek out the promise that you have for us. That we can discover it through Jesus Christ. The Word made flesh and made His dwelling among us. The Word that still speaks to us today about the value of the kingdom, about the beauty of the kingdom, about the principles of the kingdom, the promises of the kingdom. God, I pray for a a thirst that's not satisfied until we obtain the fullness of your kingdom. God, this morning in this place, for us who are here, I pray your kingdom come. God, I pray your will be done. A will that includes that that we would know you. We know you through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That your will would be that we no longer live governed by this world, but we live in the promises of God in his kingdom. Compel us, Lord. Compel us, Lord, to know. morning as they close us in a song. I'll be up here. Uh, I'll open the altars again if you still have something in your life you want to pray about. If you don't know anything about the kingdom and you want to be introduced to the kingdom, I'd be privileged to tell you about the kingdom of God that comes through Jesus Christ. If you get it, if if you, you don't need to pray, I just encourage you to spend a moment and seek. You know, Easter was last Sunday and we hid the baskets for the kids. It's funny with seeking don't have a lot of energy for a long time. Like we want to find it now. If we don't find it in about 10 seconds, we think that you need to give us a clue. Man, seek his kingdom. There's something valuable. There's a treasure for you. There's something priceless. Can we go on a treasure hunt together? You know, as I was sitting here praying, I was thinking, man, I bet there's some fresh revelation that you guys find as you seek the kingdom of God. And I don't know a treasure hunter that doesn't show off what they found. Right? They find a coin, they get a necklace made out of it. 
I believe that God's got truth He wants to reveal to you that the body of Christ needs to hear. So as we move forward in this series, if you've been reading on the kingdom of God, if God's revealed a truth or a treasure to you, I want to give you time to share it to the body. If you say, Pastor, I'm never going to talk to the church, you tell me and I'll talk for you. But I believe that there's there's treasures, there's jewels, there's something for us to grow together in that comes from the body of Christ working together. So I would say four weeks, but when I say how long the series is, God always has me do another one. So I know it's going to be at least four weeks, I think. So these next four weeks, if, if God begins to reveal something to you about the kingdom, I don't care if it's, a, if it's, if it's an ox shoe. My curse of Oak Island's people will get that. If it doesn't seem like it's important, but it's revelation to you, I want you to share it. Because I believe that, that when we come together as a body, that we minister to each other. And it brings revelation. And it brings urgings that I want to learn more. If Greg finds a treasure, man, I've got to find one too. If Trevor can find something, I certainly can. So the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. And may you seek first his kingdom. That we can live in the kingdom of God. Amen? Be blessed.